Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn. And I'm Andrea Ballard. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. On today's show, we're continuing our refreshing month of ice cream with a chocolate agave ice cream from David Leibovitz. We'll also learn about some popular international frozen treats and review our roasted strawberry buttermilk ice cream from last week. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, how do you feel about flaming desserts? Oh, <laughs> I think in general I support things set on fire. Yes. <laughs> yes, I feel it really adds to the evening. Hmm. It's very dramatic. It's very like a cherry flambé or, you know, what What else? Like a burnt Alaska? Anything, baked Alaska. Else, anything else coming to mind? Uh, bananas Foster. There you go. Ding, oh, ding, ding. We did. So this last weekend, um, we had a kitchen torch because a friend of ours visited who had one. And so, of course, we were thinking of all sorts of things to do with the kitchen torch. (laughs) Um, We did some creme brulee, and that turned out really well. We did some regular vanilla ones, and then we also did some lemon ones, which I thought were fabulous, Mm -hmm. using some lemon zest and some lemon extract. And then we moved on and decided to do a bananas foster. So I used a recipe from Mark Bittman in mm-hmm. How to Bake Everything, which is just very basic. You take some butter and put it in a pan with a little bit of brown sugar. And then you take your bananas, which you've halved lengthwise and crosswise. So they're basically sliced bananas. And you put them in that pan and you get them, you know, after the brown sugar is caramelized, you you get the bananas all roasted and toasted in that yummy sugar mixture. Then you pour in a little bit of either brandy, whiskey, or rum. Okay. We went we went with wild turkey. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean you're sitting in on fire, it's already kinda wild. So I know, right? Yes. It just it just felt appropriate. Right. And then, you know, I've always lit things on fire with kind of my long lighter. But okay, right. since we had that kitchen torch, we used it. And that worked really well because you sort of feel like you can concentrate the flame right in the pan and you don't have to like jump back. Right. So it was really pretty. It burned for about 10 seconds, and everyone oohed and awed, and then it just burned itself out, and we served it over ice cream. And everyone agreed that that was a dessert that is so incredibly easy. I mean, it it requires almost maybe tops five minutes prep time. I mean, all you have to do is slice the bananas. That is it. And it sounds like three ingredients, four if you count the ice cream. Yes, and right. it, it was it was delicious. Everyone loved it. It um, you know, other than the part if you're nervous about the flaming part, that's probably the only dicey part of the whole thing. But it's a dramatic and really fun way to end an evening. So, I highly recommend Bananas Foster, or as you mentioned, Cherries Jubilee. That one looked mm-hmm. good, but it required pitted cherries, and that felt like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, do you use um? What's the consistency of your banana? Is it a firmer banana? 
Yeah, we wondered about that, and his description was not too ripe and not too mushy. So and kind of right in the middle. Okay. Yeah, right in the middle. And we didn't actually have any at home, so we went to the store and bought some that, you know, I, I didn't get the ones that were green, um, but I didn't get the ones with spots on them. So I still think it works in my banana repertoire. It's not going to compete with my bananas I use for banana bread because those are usually too know. far gone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you do want some firmness to it. I mean, you're putting them in that caramelized sugar. And you want them to stand up to that and not just kind of be mushy. It was nice to have a little bit of a bite to them. You know, something it reminds me of is when we go visit relatives in Florida, I try to eat my weight in fried plantains. Oh. So plantains are like a little banana, and I I think they're a relative, but then they get fried up, and they are just one of my very favorite things. They're kind of a little more starchy than a banana, I think. And, of course, they're very big in, like, Cuban cuisine, and uh, they – oh, my goodness. And you just eat them plain, just a – uh, just a fried plantain? I mean, it's got to put- have like sugar or caramelization on there too. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. But there's a restaurant we go to that's actually like a crab restaurant. And and then they they all like they're like, you can order your sides. And I'm like, can I have just like three orders of the fried plantains? <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm. Well, that's so interesting because we have a food cart here in Olympia that's Latin food. And I often get their fried plantains, but it's an appetizer. And so mm, okay. it comes with a green kind of chimichurri sauce. And I absolutely love that. And they'll also serve their sandwiches instead of on bread, you can get them on the fried plantains. Whoa. Which is heavenly. <laughs> oh, and like you can also feel like low carb, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, ex- maybe, except for maybe. I'm not, not sure how they fry them. I think there is some uh, yes. coating involved. Yeah. I mean, I could make that leap, I think. So, oh, yeah, delicious. Um, well, Andrea, I need to make a mid-year New Year's resolution. You know, it's been oh, six months, okay. kind of almost six mm-hmm. months since making those resolutions. And here is one that I should have made back in January. Um, my resolution is to wear my apron. And oh. I have an apron I love, and I need to put it on. So my story is that um, while we were making up this ice cream for this week, um, I thought, you know, I um, I had to do it in kind of a, a tight window of time. And I was going to go out to lunch with my friend Peggy. And she was taking me to a a nicer restaurant as a kind of a farewell for me moving to London. And I had gotten myself all pretty, ready for the lunch. I was making the custard and, and doing all of this. And I thought, you know what? I, I can just do this. This isn't going to be messy. I don't need to put my apron on. Uh-oh. And <laughs> so, no, wait. I mean, it just it, – it's, it's impossible. It's – um. So I make the I make the ice cream, the custard base, and and anyway, I, I Peggy honks and I, I run out and and I am sitting at a restaurant with her, my dear friend, and I look down and all over my blue dress I have spatters just oh. everywhere. <laughs> so this is my public apology to Peggy. <laughs> yeah, you apparently cannot dress me up and take me out. And I just thought, Stefan, all of this avoided. But it's it's that was just the most dramatic example. But I have so many others. I'll be like, oh no, no, I I I I'm not a messy baker. I can do this really quick and easy and cleanly. And and then I get, you know, something that stains or something on my on my clothes. So this is a very easy fix. I have an apron. I'm gonna put it on, no matter if it's just a simple thing or more complicated. So yeah. I check back, but I'm going to stick to my resolution. I've, I've publicly announced it now. That is interesting. So I am really good about wearing an apron. What I am not good about is washing my aprons. And oh. so sometimes 
you know, I'll think, I mean, it's fine for my family on a weeknight meal. But, you know, if you're having people over for a nice dinner, and once I have my apron on, it's almost like a sweater. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah. take it off. It just, right. I feel cozy in it. Yes. And and my aprons that I love have pockets. So mm-hmm. now yes. I have things in the pockets, too. And there have been occasions where it's like people walk in our house and they look so nice and the women look all pretty and they smell good. And I go to hug them. And You're like I'm coated. Sure thinking like, get away from me. You're covered in flour and some sort of goop. Yeah, you look sticky. So yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, mine, um, my apron is like black with flowers. So I feel that it hides a lot of oh, the of the mess as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, just got to get better about about that so okay okay well you can start wearing an apron i will start washing my apron okay. together perhaps we will be we'll more presentable some- in general go. there you go <laughs> um well last week we introduced the roasted strawberry buttermilk ice cream from jenny's splendid ice cream if you listen to episode 29 you'll know that we talked about jenny's ice cream being a little bit different than your traditional custard ice cream that's made with egg yolks so she has really looked into the science of making ice cream and she really wanted to allow home cooks to recreate um you know, high-end ice cream parlor ice cream at home. So her recipes typically always involve some cream cheese, some corn syrup, and is it corn starch? Yeah. So those three things, all of which are designed to draw moisture out mm-hmm. of the recipe. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a recipe that I know I have made numerous times before. Stefan, it was your first time, I think, making this particular recipe. So how did it turn out for you? Oh, Andrea, I loved this ice cream so much. And if this month continues in this vein, we're just going to have some problems with my pants fitting. So (laughs) (laughs) this was so creamy, so delicious. I call it on my notes, a cream cheese miracle. I've never made an ice cream with cream cheese. This was so, the mouthfeel of this ice cream, it was so rich. It was Mm -hmm. almost chewy. And I say that in the best possible way. It was just Mm -hmm. so smooth. Um, The taste was incredible. It was, I mean, it, uh, uh, yeah, I, it was one of the best ice creams I've ever, um, certainly I've ever made, but just um, ever had, period. So um, it was very easy to come together. Um, How did you find roasting the strawberries? I had mentioned to you, I thought you would like the smell of that. Did you notice that when you roasted the strawberries in the beginning? Yeah, that was great. And that reminded me of maybe making like a fruit cobbler or Uh the other thing I thought would work well is that, you know, strawberries are in season right now. So they're, it's a wonderful time to make this, but this would be a great kind of hack for when strawberries aren't at their best because you're, you're putting them with some sugar and you're roasting them. So that draws out the best flavor also. It does. It does. I um I just love this recipe. I think this might have been one of the first Jenny's recipes that I made. And at first I was kind of like, ooh, I don't want to put cream cheese and corn syrup and cornstarch in my ice cream. Yeah. But they're very small amounts. So mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. particular recipe, you um, first you roast your strawberries and sugar in the oven. And then um, you're going to pop that into a blender with a little bit of lemon juice. So you get a nice puree. And then for the ice cream part, you're going to take whole milk and combine it with a little bit of cornstarch and you'll make a little cornstarch slurry. 
And then you'll also whisk together your cream cheese and your salt in a, in a little bowl until it's smooth. Um, I actually skipped that step. I didn't have my regular cream cheese. I only had that whipped cream cheese. So oh, yeah. I, de- I decided it was already whisked up enough. There you go. <laughs> And, um, and so then your pan on the stove, you combine uh, the rest of your whole milk, your heavy cream, your sugar, and your corn syrup. And it's only, uh, for this recipe, it's only two tablespoons of corn syrup. So it's not a lot. Same thing. It's only two ounces of cream cheese and two tablespoons of cornstarch. So it's small amounts of these items. Um, you bring that to a boil, and then you add in that cornstarch slurry. And then um, you take that off the heat and then uh, mix in your cream cheese. I, mine was a little lumpy when I did that. I had to really whisk to get that cream cheese blended in. How about you? Um, I don't have a note that that happened. So okay. I'm, I'm assuming that that went fairly smoothly. Okay. But one thing I do note is that I had a hard time keeping that uh, milk, cream, sugar, corn syrup uh, mixture from boiling over. So oh. I thought medium high was a little high. I, I backed off to medium um, and stirred it down a few times. But yeah, that's a as minor thing. I got a- yeah, as soon as I got a boil going on that one, I think I did the same thing um, because, yeah, as as we both discussed, boiling milk is is not a, a good feeling for yeah. most of us. Yeah. Um, and then um, you go ahead and this uses buttermilk. I did try to find regular bud, buttermilk as opposed to reduced fat, but I could only find reduced fat buttermilk. It, that's all a lot of stores sell now. Yeah, and we have our milk delivered from Smith Brothers Farms. Do they deliver okay. down in Olympia too? I They're- think they do. I've seen the containers on people's porches. Yeah, and so they 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 actually we get that delivery fairly frequently, and that's what they they offer too. I think it's maybe like a one percent buttermilk. It doesn't. Okay. It's not a full fat, but I thought it worked great. And you're only using a quarter cup here, so. Yeah, I thought that yeah. added a really nice tang. The only quibble I had with this recipe is um, what I think she's trying to do to speed up the process, and that is you pour um, your your mixture, your your dairy mixture, into a plastic bag, and then you kind of submerge it in an ice bath. And that was a mess for me. Um, I thought that there was a lot of custard left behind as I was trying to scrape it out of the plastic bag when it was chilled. And I ended up like cutting the bag so I could get all of the good custard out. And I just thought, you know what? She's just trying to save me some time. Next time, I'm just going to put this in a bowl and and plan ahead and throw it in the fridge. Because at the end of the day, what she wants you to do is to cool it down well before you put it in the ice cream maker. So... Well, and I feel guilty now because I I have already learned that trick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I started making ice cream from David Leibovitz's cookbook before I was turned on to Jenny's cookbook. And David Leibovitz, in the very beginning, says, you know, you can do a million things to make good ice cream, but one of the easiest things to do is just have time on your side. Mm-hmm. Make your custard the day before and mm-hmm. always let it chill overnight in the refrigerator before you put it in your machine. Yes. So even though she had this whole put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in an ice bath. I I had the same thought as you. I thought, well, she's just doing that to help you hurry it up. I don't need to hurry it up. I don't need it until tomorrow. So I made it and then I just put it in, um, you know, a glass jar and put it in the fridge and then then put it in the ice cream machine the next morning. So sorry, I didn't tell you about that. No, it's okay. And I came (laughs) to that conclusion pretty quickly. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought I I like to follow the recipe if I haven't done it, you know, by the letter the first time. And then Mm -hmm. I just thought, no, no, that's that's a time saver I, I don't need. So that's my only quibble with this recipe. It was delightful. My churn took about 30 minutes until I felt it was a consistency I really liked. And then you take it out of the churn and you pack it into um, a Tupperware or a glass canister that can be in the freezer. And then you freeze it until it's, it's colder. 
and then you serve it with this wonderful strawberry sauce that you've made um, with the puree and the roasted berries uh, over the top. And it is it is so good. So <laughs> I didn't want to share it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, went a, I went a little rogue on this. One thing I did was I cut this recipe in half just because I, I didn't need as much ice cream as it makes, and I knew we would eat it all. Mm. And so it worked just fine cutting okay. it in half. Um, it's a little tricky doing things like um, – you know, a quarter cup buttermilk, only doing an eighth of a cup. But right, you know, right. With with my new measuring cups, yeah. I'm able to do that. And um, but I actually like the consistency of ice cream when it comes out of the ice cream machine. So more like a soft ice cream. So okay. we just ate it right then, and um, huge thumbs up from everyone in my family. And I think I mentioned last week on the episode how. My aunt had made that peach ice cream in the old-fashioned crank machine. Mm-hmm. My husband, as he was eating this ice cream, he said, oh, this one rivals your Aunt Lorna's peach ice cream. So right. that is a high compliment indeed. So I felt very good about this recipe. Yeah, it was it was delightful from start to finish and um, definitely going into my heavy rotation and, and just not, not too complicated, especially if you do have time to, um, I love recipes that you can kind of parcel out. So I do this little step now and then I do this other step later. And, uh, that worked, yeah, I mean, that worked really the, great. You could do the strawberry step anytime you want, roast those strawberries with the sugar and run that through the blender and just keep it in your fridge, you know, probably exactly. for yeah, about, yeah, yeah. You know, a week or so. Yeah. Now I was curious, <laughs> I tend to just eat Jenny's ice cream immediately, so I haven't been able to notice how well it freezes because a lot of her, you know, using that cornstarch and corn syrup and cream cheese is to keep those ice crystals from forming in the freezer. So did you have it all that same day after it was frozen or did you have any a day or two later and did you notice a change in the texture? It lasted exactly two days. So we the okay. day that I made it, we ate half of it, and then we ate it again the next day. So maybe that's actually only 24 hours. Okay. But um, the not next two days. day, you found it not too icy? Nope. It was still very smooth. Um, no ice crystals had formed. Uh, I think in general, when you have a very high fat ice cream, especially I noticed this with homemade ice creams, they... <laughs> They're hard to scoop if they've been in the freezer for yes. a while. And so yes. you do kind of have to – I just set them out for a few minutes before I plan to serve them. Otherwise, it's just very uh, frustrating to try to be, like, hacking at it with your scoop. But right. I, I, I put I chalk that up to the, the dairy fat. That may not mm. be the case. It may be because there's no artificial softeners or whatever in, in homemade ice cream. I think it's but, probably a combination of both. Yeah, yeah, but no, definitely no ice crystals. And, yeah, it just – it's not going to stick around long enough for you to have that experiment in in my experience here. So yeah, I really loved it. uh, Listeners, if you made uh, this roasted strawberry buttermilk ice cream, we'd love to hear about your experience or see some pictures. Remember, we will post a link to the recipe on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, also on our Facebook group and on our Pinterest board. And now we're going to move on to a new ice cream from David Leibovitz, one of my favorite food authors. And this is the agave sweetened chocolate ice cream. And this is more of a traditional custard ice cream, except that you're using agave nectar as opposed to sugar. I've never cooked with agave. Um, Andrea, do you have experience working with that? I have never cooked with agave. I went through a short period where 
I had decided I used to put sugar in my coffee, and and now I've I've weaned myself off of it. But for a period, I I think I started with just regular sugar, and then I did you know either sweet and low or equal, and then I decided I didn't want chemicals in my sugar, so I went back to regular or chemicals in my coffee. I went back to regular sugar, and you know then I heard about agave, so I was using that, and then I heard that the process of extracting agave from the plant is just as bad as oh dear <laughs> equal and splendid. So I actually had this container of agave just languishing in my pantry. So I was really happy to be able to use it. Yeah, I just went, um, I'm going to buy, I've already bought, it's just a small um, container. And I think it was about $6, not too bad. And um, I have not, it just, it tastes like a cross to me between um, honey and corn syrup. I mean, it's very sweet. There's no getting around that. It is very sweet. Yeah. Um, so I'm really intrigued with this, and this is just a more traditional custard. You're going to um, have separate your eggs and use the yolks here with your half and half and cook that, whisking and thickening that. One um, step here that's a little intriguing to me is that you put it on the blender to smooth it out um, before you then cool it down and and stick it in your, um, your ice cream canister. Uh, but, I mean, a chocolate ice cream, that's – this is going to be – probably the one to beat. And I say that having just given the glowing five-star review to the strawberry buttermilk. So, Well, and I have found chocolate ice cream to be the most difficult one to recreate at home. And so it's typically the one I order most often in a store. Because oh, why, I, why do you think that is? I don't know why. Um, I don't know if it's something... If it's just me or if it's something – I like, I find fruit ice creams really easy to make at home. Okay. Like, just really good, high-quality fruit ice creams. And I don't often get fruit ice creams in the store. Right. Like, I don't think they're very good. But I, I've found the reverse with chocolate. So I'm, I'm really excited to try this. Um, I've tried a few different chocolate ice cream recipes. I don't think I've ever tried David Leibovitz chocolate ice cream. So I did find it interesting. You know, he um, is from San Francisco, but he lives in France, and he often talks about, you know, the differences between cooking in the United States versus another country. So I think, Stefan, you'll appreciate this, is, um, you know, he will he will think he understands what Americans are looking for. And so um, one thing that he was constantly getting as a question when he was teaching his classes was, can that be frozen? Can that be frozen? Mm, okay. And he said, in France, you don't have big freezers. Okay. So there's there's not a, you know, it's not like in America where you want to, you know, quadruple your recipe and freeze big vats of it, you know, that sort of thing. There's just and, no space for that. Right. There's not space for it. And so um, and and but he was thinking, you know, when he wrote his book on frozen desserts and ice cream, he thought to himself, aha, well, I'm not going to get that question anymore, because obvi <laughs> obviously this whole, you know, book of the answer is yes, it can be frozen. And then he said he found that the tide had shifted. And the question he got over and over again was, can I use Splenda? Can I use Splenda? Oh. <laughs> And he really doesn't like using artificial sweeteners in his cooking. And yeah. so that's how, you know, he, he, I mean, he just said, I'm not going to give advice on that because I just don't know. So um, that's why he came up with the agave. So just so you know, that's why he's using it. It didn't seem like it was any particular um, goal to make the ice cream a certain consistency or creaminess. Although I do find it interesting because that's what Jenny does with the corn syrup. And so it is liquid since, sugar, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, maybe he doesn't say this is the reason he used agave, but it, I, I sure think it might um, make it creamier. And that's been my problem making chocolate ice cream at home is I can't get it creamy enough. 
Okay. All right. Well, um, folks, we're going to put this up in the show notes. This is episode 30, and that's a link to David David Leibovitz's Agave Sweetened Chocolate Ice Cream, and we hope you try that with us this week. Let us know how it goes. Well, we wanted to do a little fun global globetrotting, uh, the globetrotting gourmets, this <laughs> new segment. And thanks to my daughter for coming up with that. Um, we were talking about this being ice cream month, and she said, oh, you should talk about what what kind of ice cream and frozen treats people eat all over the world. And I thought, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So we're going to run down some funny ones um, and some fun. Um, so, of course, starting in Italy, uh, many people have eaten gelato. And Andrea, do you know the difference between gelato and ice cream? I was surprised. My guess is that gelato has a lot more air in it. And what is it? Whites instead of yolks? Oh, well, bing, bing, bing. Like, yeah, okay. All right. Hey. Yeah, I mean, you know, I my favorite my favorite cookbook is an ice cream book. So, um, Yes, it's churned at a slower rate, so it incorporates more air. So it's denser than ice cream and usually has fewer calories and less fat. Um, one of the reasons, you know, when you go to a, a gelateria and, and they just have like 30 flavors there, um, because it has lower full fat, the flavor can shine through. So that's why you get some of those really fun fruit flavors and um, – other flavor combinations. So yeah, um, it it feels like it should be fattier to me. When I'm eating it, I always think, oh, this has got to be more unhealthy, but it's actually a little bit healthier for you. So I just think gelato is the most amazing thing. I, <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough to travel through Italy, and I think there were days where I had two or three mm-hmm. um, servings mm-hmm. of it. It is smaller, I mean, in my defense. <laughs> and you were wa- I'm sure you were walking and everywhere. You were walking. So there you, you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when in Rome, so that's right, um, literally. <laughs> so two, uh, Hawaii, lots of people have had it. shave ice, which is, yes, uh, made by shaving a big block of ice and then mm-hmm. adding some flavor. Um, in Mexico, the popsicles are po- politas. Is that how you say that? I'm, um, I'm not sure. But okay. Politas, right. the popsicles there. Um, in Japan, something that my daughter uh, really likes is the mochi ice cream. And mochi is the little sticky ball of rice cake and then... Um, it was actually mochi ice cream was actually developed by a Japanese American woman, um, and then you put the ice cream around the little sticky um, rice cake and have some flavors that we don't really associate so much with dessert, but like plum wine, green tea, red bean. Um, they also, of course, have more kind of Americanized flavors like chocolate, strawberry, vanilla. Um, in India, maybe the one of the older frozen desserts from the 16th century is called kulfi, and it's a frozen dairy dessert that people um, all over the Middle East, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan um, enjoy. And it's kind of – it's a dairy dessert, but it's denser and creamier than ice cream and has some really delicious-sounding flavors like rose and mango, cardamom, pistachio. And that's made with a sweetened condensed milk that's been caramelized and boiled down. But unlike ice cream, it's not whipped, so there's no air incorporated. So you can kind of imagine, more like a frozen custard almost, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then finally, in Malaysia, they like, um, and I'm going to not be able to pronounce this very well, um, ice kacang, and that literally means bean ice. And so it's shaved ice with red beans, and the presentation is really important here. It's really bright colors with different fruits, but also things we, again, don't associate here in the West with um, necessarily dessert. So putting things like sweet corn (laughs) and uh, something called grass jelly. And then, Andrea, this popped out to me since we had just talked about this um, last episode when you made your your gummy bears, uh, agar agar powder is something they sprinkle on there. So. 
Well, that'll help it set up for sure. I guess it does. Um, and then finally, just a funny one from Germany. I don't know if you've had this, um, Andrea, but it's um, a bowl of ice cream made to look like a bowl of spaghetti. No. So <laughs> they extrude the vanilla ice cream with a spetzel or ricer, um, okay. and then they top it with a strawberry sauce to look like tomato sauce. And I'm sorry I'm just learning about this because my son especially is just a huge um, pasta fan, and I should have been making him ice cream that looked like spaghetti, I guess, his whole life. But now I know, and and I can go from, from here. So, Well, you know what would be super fun, and you're going to have to wait a whole year to do it, but <laughs> – um, but if you can remember on April Fool's Day for next year, <gasps> it would be so much fun if you said to him like, oh, we're having spaghetti tonight for dinner. And then you pulled that out and just put it in front of him and just to watch his face when he dives into it. I mean, I think I have to write this down in my journal right yeah. now. So, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. still one of my favorite April Fool's pranks I played on my daughter. I took her a bowl of Cheerios and milk and I put it in the freezer overnight. And so, you know, when she came in in the morning and she sat down <gasps> to eat, she went to grab the spoon and the whole thing just lifted out of the bowl. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> April Fools. All right. Well, I've got a little bit of lead time to get that really like, you know, get it worked all planned out. and worked out. You there can we go. work on extruding your ice extruding cream. Extruding my time. Yeah, my ice cream. Well, I found found this list fascinating. Um, The shave ice from Hawaii really reminded me in Louisiana, we have snowball stands on every corner, I think because of the heat. And so just like up here in Washington, you know how um, over the summer we have the berry farms and a lot of teenagers, their first job is either picking berries or working in the... um, yeah, in the berry fields. Yeah, in absolutely. the berry fields or working at the little stands. Um, you know, they have both of those. And the snowball stands in Louisiana are many a kid's first summer job. Oh, and right. I have great memories. We would go to our baseball, softball, whatever practices at night, and we would almost stop and get a snowball, uh, almost always stop and get a snowball on the way home. So that was a, a super fun memory. And then I have had the mo. is it mochi or mochi? We say mochi, mochi. but yeah, um, M-O-C-H-I. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have not liked that. I mean, I bought it in a box and it comes like in the little balls. In and the sort tray. Of the plastic yep. In mm-hmm. the tray. That's how, okay. I wasn't sure if maybe I wasn't buying a good one. I mean, I got it at my Asian grocery store, but I just, so far, that one's not grabbed me. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a the, huge fan of that one either. My okay. daughter likes that one a lot. but Okay. Yeah. And, you know, mine does too. Maybe it's something about it being in the ball. I don't know. Well, or like a lot of Japanese foods too. It's very cute. And yeah. they, I think, like, tweens especially really respond to that. So. Good point. Yes. Um, one of my favorite things in this list, and it's something that I've actually made a lot, and I'm going to start making here again now that there's sunshine, is the paletas. Uh, okay. So Mexican popsicles is how I think of them. And I got into making these um, – well, I st- you know, they started selling gourmet popsicles in the grocery store a couple years ago. And I remember mm-hmm. there was one and it was organic and it came from, you know, some cool little company. And I was buying the raspberry lime and it was like $4 for a six pack or or $6 for a four pack, whatever it was. Okay. It was just yeah. I was like, this is really not um, cost effective for me. So um, shortly after that, Sunset Magazine had published an article about um, Mexican popsicles, and they had all sorts of recipes. And some of my favorite are what they call pop tails, which are a combination of a popsicle and a cocktail. And so, um, for example, the margarita pop tail, um, it has sugar, and then it has lime juice, orange juice, lemon juice, and then a little bit of tequila. And does it set hard with that alcohol in it? 
It does. So okay. this is one okay. thing. That's a great question. And this is one place where you do have to follow the recipe. So it's not one of those like, oh, I have half a bottle of tequila left over. I'll just dump it in because alcohol keeps things from freezing. Right. As you know, if, if you've ever kept alcohol in your freezer, you see that it, it doesn't freeze. It just makes a nice cold liquid. So um, like, in for example, in the Sunset Magazine recipe for the six popsicle, it has three tablespoons of tequila. So Split I think that's- across th- six popsicles. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the most that I would use. Okay. And um, the other night I went on my long bicycle ride with my friends. So we got home. It was, we went on a very hot day. So we were just, you know, we had done a really hard ride and we were just incredibly hot. And my friend Adam said, do you want a popsicle? And I was thinking in my head, like, you know, that box of Otter Pops that everyone gets at the grocery store. Yes, and the hundred box. Yes. 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 I said, sure. You know, and I was laying on the ground just trying to breathe. And um, <laughs> he handed me this cute little thing. It almost felt like a baby pacifier. It was, you know, it was a cute little popsicle mold handle. And I looked at it and I said, what is this? And he goes, just try it. And I ate it. And it was the best. And so he had used a polita recipe and he had um, put banana in it instead of adding any sort of dairy component. So it had a nice creaminess to it. And then it had blueberries and it had lime and it had some pineapple juice. And it was so good. And his cute little popsicle mold he had picked up at Fred Meyer, which is a Kroger chain, if anyone knows those. And um, it was one of those woohoo deals. Do you ever see those? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love me some woohoo deals. So yeah, he had gotten, you know, the it was a four-pack popsicle maker for ni- 99 cents. And I said, you know, this is so great because instead of buying this expensive box of fancy popsicles, you can just make your own. And yeah. mm-hmm. they're so easy and they're so good. And what I liked about that particular thing is then you don't have to have the sticks because, you know, the mold, the handle of the mold has the stick attached to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I was a kid, we had a little Tupperware set because it was the 70s. And um, my mom used to, when we would have, because it was also the 70s, we ate like canned fruit on the regular. And (laughs) so um, she would take the- pretty fancy, let me add. (laughs) I mean, right. She would take the the juice, she would drain it off and put it in the popsicle mold. And then we would have that as a little treat. So, Oh. Yep. That's like no waste, very frugal, and also was really delish. So, well, the other thing that's fun for me about popsicles when I was growing up, we always had to ask my mom if we could eat food. So, um, you know, outside of the normal meal times, you know, it had to be: can we have a snack? Can we have this? And we would we would get permission or not. Um, I don't know if that was just her. Probably just from a thrifty standpoint, she probably had everything pretty much parceled out. Yeah. Um, But popsicles were the one thing that were free. She kept those in the outside freezer in the garage we could have as many as we wanted and we didn't have to ask and so there's just i i just associate popsicles also with this sense of independence (laughs) and were they just the kind of classic like two stick like you know you could break them in half if you wanted those whatever those yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, i think there's actually a popsicle brand right like i think they were just popsicle brand popsicles yeah i can see the little logo and they make other things too like ice cream sandwiches and yep Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, happy memories. Yeah, they come in like cherry, grape, and orange. I, yeah, and yeah. I think mm-hmm. occasionally, you know, you'd always try and go through the box and get mm-hmm. the ones you wanted. And then at the end of the summer, you know, you'd finally have to eat through all the lines yeah. or something like that. Which, of course, now I would go for that first. But as a kid, it was like, like cherry oh. all the way, right? Cherry yeah, or like, grape. Yeah. Grape. Oh, yes. that was my favorite. 
Delicious. Oh, my gosh. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get to the dishes. Join us next week as we continue to churn through our month of ice creams with a spicy peanut butter ice cream that hails from a rather unusual source. We'll also suggest some summer reads in our preheated book club. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, and download us on iTunes, where we'd love it if you subscribed to the show and gave us a review, both of which will help other people find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.